Well, we're, we're continuing um, our series today, take, taking us through the Gospel of John, and it's, uh, it's a long journey. We're just kind of chipping our way through the whole Gospel. And today we're at chapter 10 in John's Gospel, where this great uh, I am statement of Jesus, where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. So we'll look at that text in just a moment. But if you remember the purpose of this series, we're kind of um, tracing out the implications of the reality that our faith is based on historical claims, not just religious ideas. And we have in Christmas and Easter two claims upon history, which if true, make faith in Jesus not just important for people who are Christians now, but for everyone around the entire world. Not because it's a Christian thing, but because it's a God thing, and God has come to earth and done this. So we're kind of unpacking the implications of that. And as you recall, John, uh, the Apostle John was good enough to tell us exactly why he wrote his gospel. Here's what he said. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So John told us, he wrote everything that he did so that we might believe that Jesus was who he claimed to be and that we might respond, trust Jesus and experience the new life that he wants to give us. So that's the the series and where we're heading. Today again, John 10, Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd, but amazingly he also says that as the good shepherd, he is speaking to his sheep. He knows the name of his sheep He speaks to his sheep and his sheep recognize his voice enough to make course corrections in life, to actually follow him. So let's listen to the scripture now. The 10th chapter in the Gospel of John. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, He abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. 
I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Now the Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, he's demon possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Randy. You know, I think we've mentioned in, the, in this series that we're reading big chunks of the Gospel of John, so there's no way to get to everything in a passage in, in every sermon. And, th- and this is uh, no exception. I mean, this passage is loaded with great stuff to kind of run down and, and unpack. Um, so for today... Here's our focus. We'll we'll look at three things. What Jesus is doing now, what we as followers of Jesus are to be doing now, and why we should be doing it. What Jesus is doing now, what we're to be doing now, and why we should be doing it. Uh, So if you remember back in in chapter five, Jesus, in in John's gospel, Jesus uh, healed uh, a man who was paralyzed at the a pool of Bethesda. And if you remember the story, the big issue in, in that story, the, the, the conflict between Jesus and the Jewish leaders was that Jesus did this on the Sabbath and they got all mad. So here, here's the quick summary. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at work to this very day and I am working too. You know, I I really uh, sense he was trying to explain to them what was going on. It ended up inflaming the situation even more because now he's claiming to be God and, you know, uh, knowing what God is up to. Um, But he he defended himself with the claim that God is always working, even right now, and that he, Jesus, was, was working right now too. So that begs the question, what is Jesus doing right now? Have you considered this? I mean, really, as, as followers of Christ uh, who believe the Bible, we believe that Jesus was raised from the dead, not just in spirit, not just a metaphor, but, but physically raised from the dead in his body and is alive right now. That's the heart of the gospel, the Apostles' Creed, right? The, the great claims of the faith. He's alive right now in his body. So what's he doing? I mean, what's, what's, your, what's your picture, Right? Is a big fluffy cloud-like couch and he's kicked back with the remote watching the tournament. <laughs> Go St. Peter's, right? <laughs> what's, you know, what, what, what's he actually doing? Is he, uh, is he watching? Does he know? Does he care? 
Where is he looking? Like, what's he doing? I mean, what, what we think about this is really important. And this passage tells us what Jesus is doing, at least some of what Jesus is doing now. Here's what he said. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them. So what, what does the shepherd do in these verses? He calls and leads. And goes out ahead too, but we'll get to that. He calls and leads. What is Jesus doing right now? He is calling and leading. Specifically, Jesus is calling people to himself and leading his church on earth. And Jesus is calling people to himself. Um, if you're a follower of Christ, you've experienced this at some time in your life. Maybe you kind of grew up uh, going to church and, and you can never remember a day you didn't know Christ and what a blessing that is. I, I remember a day where, a, a season really, where absolutely God was calling me to himself. And it was very clear. And Jesus said this all over the place. Look at Matthew. Uh, come to me, Jesus said, all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Come to me. Right? Jesus is calling people to himself. Jesus diagnosed the primary problem of the Jewish leaders back in chapter five as a refusal to come to him, as a refusal to respond to his call to them to come to himself. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. I hope we listen to that. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Jesus said that the whole point of his appearing was to search for people. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. See, Jesus is calling people to himself. And Jesus is leading his church. I won't go into all this, but the first three chapters of the book of Revelation make it very clear that Jesus knows what's going on in churches. And he really cares about that. He's watching that and, and guiding that, leading us to follow him. See, the leading is the important part. Jesus isn't just telling us what to do from the sideline. He's out in front leading. Look at verses three and four again. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them. Now, if, you're, if you have a kind of a Western uh, image of a shepherd in your mind, you're probably thinking of the shepherd behind the flock with a staff kind of whacking sheep and keeping them in line or maybe sending the sheepdog this way or that way. That was not the Middle Eastern way. Middle Eastern shepherds walked in front of their flock. Their flock was behind them and the shepherd would talk continuously, would speak because the sheep knew the shepherd's voice. They could distinguish that voice from other voices and they knew that the shepherd was for them. See, Jesus is doing that for us right now. He's out front leading and speaking continuously that we might follow. 
So what is Jesus doing now? He's calling people to himself. He's leading his church on earth. How is he doing that? By word and spirit is the answer. By his word, by God's word, and by the spirit of God. The word of God, the things God has said. Uh, You know, the, the word of God is also a title for Jesus. Here we're talking about God's word as in the Bible. You know, the the Bible is God's word received, but by the Holy Spirit, we can perceive God's word the way God continues to speak to us, continues to guide his church. So God is calling people to himself and leading his church by word and spirit. I so remember a, um, a mission trip I went on with Dave Bast and Words of Hope. We went to Turkey and met with some Iranian refugees and one of the most compelling parts of the whole time together was right at the beginning when we were getting to know one another and doing introductions. And one of the leaders asked the people gathered to say, uh, hey, how did you come to Christ? How did you come to become interested in being a Christian? And wow, uh, well, Jan was there. Jan Fields and I did that together. And we, uh, around the table, uh, person after person, it was amazing. Uh, one guy I went to bed at night. I had a vivid dream of Jesus appearing and speaking to me, and he told me to go to the church. So he got up the next day, went to the church, where he met a Christian who gave him a Bible, and he subsequently gave his life to Christ. Uh, Another man in the hospital who had been in, in the Iraq war, a Kurdish man, I was in the hospital. I had a vision of Jesus, and I was healed. And then the chaplain in the hospital gave me a Bible. Word and spirit. You you can't leave an experience like that and not believe that Jesus right now is calling people to follow him and leading his church by his word and by his spirit. He's really doing that right now. So Jesus calling people to himself, leading his church. That's what Jesus is doing. But what are we to be doing as, as his followers? Verse five, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. His sheep follow him because they know his voice. I mean, really take that word picture in, right? It's a vivid image of sheep hearing the voice of the shepherd, recognizing that voice as the voice of their shepherd and not other voices, and understanding the communication of the shepherd to the degree that they can change direction, correct their course from whatever direction they had been going, and back toward the shepherd for the purpose of following the shepherd. They heard the shepherd, they recognized the voice, and they understood the communication. I mean, the implications of this are both uh, simple and profound, right? Jesus, the one who lived and died for us, is alive again right now and is speaking to us in such a way that we can hear, recognize, and understand the communication, right? This, This pushes aside churchianity pretty quickly. If we're just doing the Christian cultural thing, this is not that. This is about a living Lord of the universe who loved us so much he came in person to die on the cross and to be raised from the dead, who is alive right now in his body and is actually speaking to us. Not just to get us to do the stuff he wants, right? Sometimes God prompts us to do that. But to reassure us of our identity in Christ, 
to guide us into all truth. The Bible's full of what the Holy Spirit actually does, right? Reminding us of the things that Jesus said. Giving us words to speak to other people, even. See, if Jesus is calling and leading, those who trust Jesus ought to be listening and following. And the plain meaning of this Uh, these words that Jesus spoke about, you know, sheep hearing his voice, is that hearing God, listening to Jesus, is for every follower of Christ. Not just for like super Christians or people with some gift of prayer or something else that makes them different than the rest of us, right? Uh, The simple fact is that sheep have ears and can listen to the shepherd. And in fact, listening to Jesus in the end, it is the only way we can actually follow Jesus. Right? It, it's possible to believe things in our head about Jesus, but to be completely disengaged from the activity of following Jesus. And we need to be aware of that because there's potential danger in there for us, right? If we're not listening to God and correcting our course as we go to better follow Jesus, reformed and always reforming, right? If we, if we look out in the world or at our life and we see some discrepancy between what we see out there or in here and what we see in the scripture, our assumption is that it's not the scripture that's wrong. It's us or all of us who need to change to align ourselves to the word, right? So, so we listen. We try to actually follow Jesus. See, disciples of Jesus follow Jesus, and the first step in following Jesus is learning to listen to Jesus. Now, I get that you might, you might be thinking, well, what does that actually mean? I'm not, I have never heard an audible voice. We're not talking about audible voices. That's so super rare. I think God does that every once in a while, but that certainly has never happened to me. In, in his book, Hearing God, Dallas Willard addresses the concerns we have about this conversation around listening to God or hearing Jesus. Here's what he wrote. Many people feel confused and deficient when it comes to hearing God. In chapter one, you'll meet my wife's grandmother who was one of these. I knew that her experiences with God were not lacking and that she lived a richly interactive life with God. Yet the language of hearing God made her feel like an outsider looking in. I've come to believe that there are many like this dear woman befuddled by the descriptions others make, which in many cases are actually, uh, may actually involve reducing the intimacy of communion which God desires to the notion of straining for the sound of an audible voice or getting a word after letting a nearby Bible fall open. <laughs> That's not the kind of listening we're talking about. There are many feelings and misunderstandings to work through and I, I get that. And, and again, we can't do that all today. Um, but I, I can say that over, I think, about the last 10 years, um, Crystal and I feel like we've learned a lot, grown a lot, in our ability to discern what the Lord is actually saying, to perceive what the Lord is saying by his spirit and actually f- begin to follow that. Um, if you haven't noticed this, every week on that little page you have in your worship guide, the last three questions of the reflection questions are the same every time. I hope you've noticed. (laughs) How is God getting your attention? What is God saying to you? And what are you gonna do about it? Those three questions are this. You know, sheep have ears, we we can hear. 
And it's not magic. Right? I think our growth uh, came because, not because we're anything special, but because we practiced. We made friends uh, with people who are a little bit further down the road than us in this thing, who had more experience listening. We engaged some spiritual practices. We tried and muddled along and, and got it wrong a lot of times and learned along the way. And we're still learning. I mean, everybody's learning. Nobody has the red hotline phone to God, right? The New Testament makes that very clear, by the way. If anybody ever comes to you and says, God told me to tell you, I hope all the danger warnings are going off, right? Because mature followers of, of Christ don't phrase it that way. Mature followers of Christ say something like, you know, I was praying and I, I got a little something and I don't know, maybe this is for you from the Lord, might be. I just offer this to you and... Uh, if you're so inclined, maybe you take it to the Lord and pray about it. Maybe, maybe it's for you. I don't know. Because that's what we do, right? First uh, Corinthians tells us if you feel like you've heard something for somebody else, you test it with others, you float it out there to the community and see what other Christians say about it after squaring it with Scripture, of course. So there, there's a lot more to say here, but I actually want to teach you a thing today, uh, a spiritual practice called the learning circle. So it's going to be up on the screen here, and I'm going to rifle it so I'm not going to do it full justice, but that line represents our life, and you know, life is, is going along, and every once in a while, we hit a speed bump, and there's a boom. That's the next slide. And something happens. Uh, now, in the Bible, the Bible uses two different kinds of words for time, chronos and kairos. Chronos is pretty self-explanatory, you know, chronological, chronos, that's like two o'clock in the afternoon, four o'clock in a 24-hour day. It's physical time. Uh, Kairos is a special kind of time, a special moment, kind of like the Galatians 4 thing. When the fullness of time had come, God sent his son into the world, born of a woman. When that special moment, the just right time. So what that X is, is a kairos moment, a time when God might be trying to get your attention. Question one of those three questions that are repeated, right? So we're always on the lookout for how God might be getting our attention. A friend just this week shared four helpful ways to discern this. Speed bumps, brick walls, mirror moments, and window moments. Speed bumps. When you're driving along the road of life and you go thump, 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 there's something, a recurring pattern is emerging that's new and you've noticed it. God might be trying to get your attention. Brick walls. You're cruising along and... Boom, full stop. What happened? I don't, that doesn't mean that God's trying to get your attention, but maybe it would be good to explore. Mirror moments, those times, we all have our blind spots, right? Those times where you see something about yourself that is new. You've learned something about yourself that was previously outside of your field of vision. It's a mirror moment, right? God might be trying to get your attention. A window moment. Uh, when you see what could be a new opportunity that's, that's fresh and uh, you haven't seen it before, God might be trying to get your attention. So we're on the hunt for these. That's not all the ways that you can identify these. There's more to say. But we're looking for Kairos moments, ways God might be getting our attention. So when we recognize one of these things, we have two options. We can put our foot into the gas and keep driving down the road, or we can slow down and take a look. This is how you slow down and take a look. Let's go to the next slide. Oh, here's the first question. How is God getting your attention? And we slow down and take a look. 
We drive around the circle. Next slide, please. Uh, let's go to the next slide, even. The first half of the circle there is based on the word repent. You know, the first two imperatives Jesus gave us, repent and believe. Repent means change your thinking. Believe means align your life. So repent is based on God's word. What is God saying to us in the Bible or by his spirit? And we're, we're asking this question, what is the Lord saying to us? So here's the process for that. Next slide. Uh, observe, that's hard for me to read back there. Observe, reflect, discuss. You have to observe that something happened. Then you got a noodle on it, reflect on it. If you're an introvert like me, you do that alone. If you're an extrovert like my wife, you engage other people and you reflect out loud and you need to have some conversation around getting your mind around it. And then you bring in a larger community, you discuss with others like, hey, uh, uh, you know, hey, Jan, does that sound like Jesus to you? I think the Lord might be saying this to me. Does that sound, does that sound like, you know, hey, David, does this sound like Jesus? I thought the Lord might be saying this to me. Does that sound right? Yeah. So we discuss it and we refine it in community. This just takes a bunch of spiritual practices, puts it into one thing. So that's the first half, repent. Let's go to the next slide. The other side is believe, align your life. This is the, you know, what are you going to do about it once you've heard something? And the steps for this are, Uh, plan, account, and act. So based on what you've heard the Lord say, you make a plan, and then you present yourself to other Christians in accountability and say, I think I heard the Lord say this to me. This is what I'm going to do about it. Please hold me accountable because we all know we need that. And then you act. Just do it. That's the kid version of the circle. It's what we teach on Wednesday nights in K-Quest. And you, you go and act. And hopefully, as we do that, Next slide. The trajectory of our life deflects just a little bit. And we don't continue on as we were before, but we've grown a bit. And that degree of deflection, next slide, is the degree of spiritual transformation. And we're not looking for big like 10 or 15 degree movements at a time. That's not how following Jesus works. We're looking for micro deflections. Little teeny bits at a time but practiced over a lifetime, this is one way Christians can pursue becoming more Christ-like. And we listen to God and we respond. It's the revelation and response cadence that is so clear in scripture. So how is God getting your attention? What's God saying to you? And what are you gonna do about it? That's one way to practice this. So Jesus We can go to the next slide. Uh, So Jesus is calling people to himself, leading his church. As his followers, we ought to be listening and following. Now you might be a Christian, you might be asking, why should I up my game on listening to the Lord? Can I just live my life believing what I do about Jesus and call it good? I mean, I know I'm broken. I know I'm saved only by God's grace. I know Jesus is the only way. I believe the Bible, I trust the Lord. Isn't that the heart of the matter? Isn't, Isn't that all I need? Well, well, yeah, I mean, that, I mean, that's all you need. If the question is, how can I be reconciled to God and saved from my sinful self? Yeah, that, that's all you need. But the point is, there's so much more. There's so much more. The, the whole trajectory of the Bible is not just about getting our ticket punched to go to heaven when we die. It is a, about 
a completely restored relationship with the God who made us. The, uh, the fullness and, and beauty and enormity of, of that. Uh, it, it's stunning. Right? It's about coming back into that fully restored relationship where you're certain about your identity as a beloved child of God and you know you have access to the Father because of that identity, because you're, you're beloved. I mean, this is true. God loves everybody. And we should too. Jesus tells us why he came. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. See, Jesus came that we might have life and have it to the full. That means that God wants so much more for us than simply to know some stuff about Jesus or to even know that we're going to go to heaven when we die. It's, re- it's relationship. Think about the, the deepest, kind of richest relationships in, in your life. I mean, a, a relationship that ushers you into life, fullness of life. You know, a, a kind of fullness of life we were created to live. And why is there so much clamoring in our world for, uh, for meaning and identity and all of that? It's very simple. Because all of us, each and every one, know that we were made for more. We feel it every day. We know it. Right? Life has to be about more than simply getting up and getting back on the treadmill of whatever we're doing and then coming home at the end of the day and crashing out. It is about more than that, much more than that. God's doing stuff in the world. God's calling people to himself. God's leading his church by his spirit. Believing things about Jesus won't get you to the fullness of life he wants to give. Only by listening to Jesus and actively following is that fullness of life for which we long accessible. So what's Jesus doing now? He's calling people to himself. He's leading his church. What are we to be doing? Listening and following. Why should we be doing it? Because this is the path to life. Real life. And because the shepherd is good. It's hard to believe sometimes in this world with what we experience, right? One of the big reasons we gather every Sunday morning is to remind ourselves of the story and to remind ourselves, hey, the shepherd is really good. The shepherd's not bad. The shepherd's good. Jesus is shepherding us, leading us toward life that is really life. He said, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. My sheep listen to me because they know my voice. Sheep have ears. So let's use them. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Pray with me. God, please do speak to us. Uh, Help us grow in our ability to discern what it is that you're saying to us as we read the Bible, as we 
encounter situations uh, in life, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening and we want to hear. Help us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.